0: I think our number one is a tie. Do you want to it say it better? At the same be time?
1: it better be unless you just forgot. But no,
0: no, no. Let's let's do it. Three, two, one. Reveal. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. So-
1: welcome to another episode of the MacGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Keith Foster from San Diego, California is on the other side of the digital wall.
0: Cassidy Robinson, you are recording from an undisclosed location in the Rocky Mountains. And today we are
1: going to be discussing our top 10 and bottom five films of 2021. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the last the last week or so has been a bit of a scramble. I been trying to see what's out there. That's streamable available, uh, you know, stuff that didn't play near me. Um, you know, other stuff that, you know, I'd only heard about positive things here or there. So, I, you know, what was your, what was your last week? Like,
0: uh yeah, I was able to squeeze a couple in, but I I feel weird about these ones because I just barely saw them, so it feels weird it feels yeah. weird to like rank them of my best ofs when it's like I you know what I mean? I haven't mean? lived I with know. it
1: for as long as some of these other
0: movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah, I I I feel you. I mean, actually, I didn't see as many as I would like, but of the ones I saw, only a couple went into the top 10. So I feel pretty good. I feel pretty confident that I rank them accordingly.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I, I mean, there's I'm, still
1: a lot of stuff that's playing right now that uh, I won't be able to see until they either come a lot closer or they... Uh, are released on VOD or whatever, but uh, you know, such as life. That's that's how this always works. There's always, you know, the movies I wanted to see and didn't or couldn't. So, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But before we get into our personal lists, uh, we did ask this question to the listeners, to the audiences on social media. So from Twitter, uh, we're going to read out some other, People's favorite movies of the year, and you'll just have to wait and see if they uh pop up on our lists. Yeah. Um, from Patrick, friend of the show Patrick. He says, In the earth. Now I didn't know what this was actually. I had to look it up, but it it looked it's a um a horror
0: film of sorts. Oh, I think I did hear about this one. Oh I yeah, I didn't see it, but I think I heard about it.
1: Well, it's on my radar now, so maybe I'll t- take a look at it. Um, Alan from the uh, the MacGuffin's webpage, the editor of the MacGuffin, uh, he just released his official top 15 in written form on the website. So if you haven't gone over to in and uh, read all the articles there, uh, he does a lot of the main reviews and uh, he has the Green Knight as his top spot. Um, Donald Morrison has Red Rocket, which is one of those films I really wanted to see, but it's only playing limited theaters right now. Um, That's the new Sean Baker film. I'm expecting good things from that. Uh, Terry says uh, the Green Knight for me, although Suicide Squad is a close second, which is funny because that is on that episode. Um those are the <laughs> movies we reviewed
0: and we were very divided on them.
1: Yeah, that was one of our more contentious episodes.
0: Yeah. Um I think ever which is kind of fun.
1: Under the quote tweets we have Hello Berlin. Uh he says it's a tie between Titan. I've also heard it pronounced Titan which is probably the French pronunciation and uh The Green Knight. So so far, the Green Knight is taking the audience award. What what's going on? I know you retweeted this. So uh-huh. what what are some of yours?
0: Um, yeah, a couple of responses here. Um, uh, one of them was uh the same it was Hello Berlin uh, with Titan and the Green Knight. Okay. Um, uh, Chris Crampton says uh, Spider Man or Free Guy were probably his tops, um, but he says he didn't watch them a lot. And he says, uh, I felt like Dear Evan Hansen was really strong, only harm by comparison to the original. Huh. Uh, Always the contrarian. Yeah. I didn't hear a single good thing about uh, Dear Evan Hansen, except this. (laughs) So, um, all right. Friend of the show, Todd says, uh, man, I love I Care A Lot and Last Night in Soho so much Um, But I think it's a tie between Dune and The Green Knight.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So I care a lot. I considered in my head a 2020 film, but I went back and looked, and I guess it it played festivals a little bit at the end of 2020. Um, And might have been for consideration for that year's award cycle, but uh, uh, it wasn't released on... Netflix which is how most people watched it mm-hmm. until I think February of 2021.
0: I think we can for uh sake of argument I think we can count it for this year since nobody watched it till this year.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean
0: uh,
1: I just th- there was there's always a little splash over of you know the year before ends up in yeah, uh, as, as I, I re- I official reviews for the uh first couple months, you know. Mm-hmm. And that it's always a little difficult like I know like We reviewed um, like Soul, uh, the Pixar film, and we reviewed Mm. I Care A Lot and Judas and the Black Messiah. And all those movies were kind of like 2020 films. We didn't review them until January, February.
0: Yeah, well, I got uh, a little
1: confusing when I was going back and trying to put together my list.
0: Yes, uh, I actually um, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah is an honorable mention of mine. Uh, because I wasn't sure of the release day and it, it just felt older than twenty twenty one to me. So yeah. Um yeah there were a couple that I'm like, is that this year? I don't know.
1: That definitely came out in 2020 because they, they were that was nominated for a bunch of Oscars for that that cycle. Okay. And did you have any others over there?
0: Uh nope, that's that's all I got. That's all, all the right. response I got.
1: Yeah. So We'll see if any of those pop up in our lists, you know, going into mine here, this is kind of a weird year. Uh, It was, it it was better than 2020. As far as being able to see movies. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of stuff that came out. There was a lot of stuff, you know, with sort of the uncertainty of the pandemic and things. They just A lot of studios were just like, fine, we'll just fucking release it. Um, (laughs) We'll just put it on HBO max, HBO max. Probably represents half of my list here.
0: Well, I I mean, as far as the streaming services go, to me they're the MVP of the pandemic because of their decision to do that. I I seem yeah. like almost every weekend I was watching, you know, something on uh, HBO. So good yeah. on them.
1: There were a couple windows, a few months here or there, when it looked like things were kind of turning around. So there were more, there was more stuff in theaters again. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, there's a few things that are still strictly theater right now, but we'll we'll see how long that lasts. But you know, given that my list is a little bit more varied, I would say that my top five or six, I feel pretty strongly about. Like, yes, these are movies that I definitely consider cream of the crop. Yeah. Um. And then once you get below six or seven, I'm kind of like, ah, that was that was okay. It was a dis. Dece- Dies film? Am I? Yeah, like, it, it's kind of in love with me. it. It's okay.
0: <laughs> I, I feel very strongly about my top five, and everything below that, I'm like, all right, it's it's kind of it right. kind of shifts every time I think about each of these movies, too. So,
1: right, yeah, and I I I, I kind of played around a little bit with some of the ordering uh, at the very end here, but I'm you know I feel pretty fine with where we're at. So I'll start us off with number ten. Okay. Um, and my number ten for 2021 was uh, Shang Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings. Okay, solid. Yeah, I mean we've talked about it a decent amount on the podcast, which is probably the reason it it kind of snaked its way up there because I think at one point I had it lower on on my overall list, mm-hmm. but I thought you know what it keeps coming up it seems to be some new watermark for what we're going to start comparing other Marvel movies to as far as origin stories go. Sure. It's a very strong one. I had absolutely zero interest or knowledge of this character going in and came away with it still having a lot of fun and enjoying the MCU's take on it. So, yeah, I think for the fight choreography alone – just being so different from what we normally see. Mm -hmm. And then also I really liked, um, you know, the leads of the film and Aquafina. I thought was a good, a good uh, uh, foil to the main character in a type of role that could be very annoying in any other MCU film. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about how the movie sort of goes into autopilot towards the end and just becomes a big CGI battle. And that's not my favorite part, but I think the first two thirds of the movie are very, very strong.
0: Sure. And, and even, even though it does become a CGI battle, like, uh, you know, I think, you know, the core of the conflict is still this like emotional conflict between Shang-Chi and his dad. And so, yes, there is some like, oh, we have to stop this world ending catastrophe, but Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I I agree with you. I think you know there's a little bit more to that than some of the other Marvel movies. Uh, even some of the other Marvel movies we got this year.
1: Yeah, I mean
0: <laughs> somebody could do a top ten Marvel movies of twenty twenty one. There were four Marvel movies this year, and yes. three of them were pretty good.
1: <laughs> and that's not counting all of the different Marvel series around on uh, Disney Plus.
0: Yes. Uh. Yeah. I again uh if if hbo max was an mvp then fucking disney plus is also an mvp
1: yeah and uh, marvel definitely lost no ground in all of this
0: no no uh yeah they took their year off and you know in 2020 and was like oh okay that's how hit it the is ground running fine mm-hmm. we're gonna have something every fucking month for you you nerds <laughs> uh what is your number 10 Uh, My number 10, we never talked about this on the podcast. Um, I saw this a little after it came out, uh, but it was kind of a sleeper summer surprise. My number 10 was Free Guy starring Ryan Reynolds. Okay, yeah. So there was a bunch of these little action movies
1: that were sort of non-affiliated as far as their IPs go. And I get them all confused in my head. I don't know. (laughs) And I know like half of them are like, like especially bad and half of them might actually pretty be pretty cool, but I'd forget which ones are which that's fair. And Ryan, uh, I, feel, I feel like Ryan Reynolds is in all of them. He,
0: that's fair. He, uh, yeah, he did a like red notice or Red something. Um, yeah. 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 He did a couple this year, I think, but, um, free guy was a lot of fun. Again, we didn't talk about this on the podcast. It's about, uh, this character inside a video game world who mm. becomes self-aware that he's in a video game. Um, mm. Okay, I'm starting to remember the trailer now. Yeah, and so it's it's plays a lot on like Grand Theft Auto and like any kind of like massive multiplayer online. Um, mixed with a little bit of The Matrix. Mixed with, uh, you know, just a funny buddy comedy Um a uh, little raise in it he's hilarious uh Jody Comer's great it's it's just it was a surprising like night out that's you know doesn't depend on having seen all these other crazy movies and it was genuinely funny like it made me laugh quite a few times even though a lot of the best jokes were spoiled by the trailers mm-hmm. um it's it's also just kind of a good good vibe movie like it's it's just kind of a fun hangout movie and uh i am in support of that so that is why that one cracked into my top 10 it was just it was a really good time um and they i felt like they played with the concept really well and like i didn't feel like i like it was just premise without them kind of delivering on that Mm -hmm. um so yeah but it's also not so premise heavy that you can't Also just have a good time with it. At the end of the day, it was just a funny adventure, you know, movie.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to see that it was not for nothing.
0: No. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it it was literally like we were just bored. We were, there was nothing else out. We were like, "Fuck it, let's go see free guy. And it was, it was perfect. It was a perfect, that type of movie. Like when you, you know, like a Sunday matinee kind of thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Cool. Moving on to number nine. Um, This is one of the more controversial films of the year. And uh, of which I feel it's happened a couple of times here in the last month or so, where I've really sort of diverged from the larger critical community as far as consensus goes. Okay. And that is the new Adam McKay comedy, Don't Look Up, uh, which is on Netflix, uh, premiered on Netflix a satire this is kind of more in line less with like the will will ferrell vehicles and more kind of in line with what he was getting at with the big short and vice and the sort of more topical satirical stuff
0: yeah I, again um, this is one i have not seen yet um i so this one is d- divisive critically
1: yes there's a lot of people out there who there's a lot of like critics i should say there's a lot of critics. I think it has like a 50% on Rotten Tomato, which is like not considered a passing grade.
0: Yeah, that's a um, splat.
1: That's, a, yeah, anything lower than 60 is a splat. Uh, and, uh, but the audience score is in the 70s or so. And it's also now, I think, the most streamed film on Netflix. Okay. Um, which, with the cast alone, that's not that surprising. We have Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Kate Blanchett. Jonah Hill, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, Ron Perlman, Ariana Grande, Melanie Linsky. I mean, everybody ever is in this movie. But it isn't just a, you know, a a big uh, star vehicle. It's the general premise. I don't know if you've seen anything about it. But the general premise is um, a couple of scientists at Michigan, at a Michigan college in their astrophysics department. Are running experiments. Jennifer Lawrence is a grad student there. She runs an experiment and discovers that a a comet is headed towards Earth. And her and Leonardo DiCaprio, who plays her main professor or doctor who runs this department, um, have to go to Washington, D.C. and convince a very uninterested and disorganized administration. Uh, Meryl Streep plays the president, Orlean, and her son is played by Jonah Hill, who's you know kind of like a Trump slash Trump Junior type relationship. That uh, they need to start putting plans in action, or else um, a planet destroying comet will hit the Earth in six months. But unfortunately, midterms are around the corner. They're they're nominating a new Supreme Court justice who's who's very controversial for lots of reasons. And there's also like a celebrity breakup that's happening on social media. That's kind of grabbing all the news airtime. And basically it's the premise is there's this huge disaster on its way that everyone can see and nobody wants to do anything about it because it's politically inconvenient.
0: Oh my God. I literally wrote a sketch (laughs) that I submitted to an NBC packet. This very premise, exact same premise, scientists trying to convince the president Uh uh, to take a a comet that was like had an imminent trajectory with Earth seriously. (laughs) And uh, they were like denying the science on uh, the giant comet.
1: Right. I mean, well, you and Adam McKay slash David Sirota, who co-wrote the movie. um,
0: Yeah. uh, Uh, I guess you you should be
1: asking for a, a writing credit as well.
0: I mean, I'm certain it is just a parallel, case of thinking. parallel thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wrote this sketch. It was like 2016 or 2017. It was. It, that's crazy, though.
1: Well, even more crazy. So this is this was written to be a, a allegory for climate change.
0: Yeah. So um, it was my sketch. What the fuck?
1: <laughs> but uh, as they started filming it, the pandemic started and there was all these weird parallels that was already <laughs> in the screenplay. Like at one point the uh, you know, half the people on uh, the political aisle, You know, at one point, it's close enough to Earth that you can actually see it in the sky. And they said, just look up. You can see it. It's with your bare eyes. You can we can point it out now. And so there's a a don't look up campaign, the just look forward campaign. And I mean, so these are the things that people you, you can argue. Is it too on the nose? Is it, you know, is it just Adam McKay just kind of screaming his politics with a megaphone? I'm, I mean, that's what uh, that's what the negative uh, criticism has said. But I think in this day and age, with the 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 where real life is satire anymore, yeah. it has to be about that blunt for it to really you can't. Uh, I don't know how you subtly tell the story anymore.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. I I don't know. I, I thought it worked well for a sketch uh, four years ago. I, I could see it maybe running a little thin after a feature length, but I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Um, it's it's also
1: not a short film. It, it, it's a good two and a half. And I will say that that is one of the reasons yeah. it's not higher on the list is there are yeah. some subplots and there's some... Um, Aspects of the film that kind of wear out their welcome after a while, and uh, some of the uh, sharpness of the satire gets dulled in the runtime. But well, if you I think ever, it is. A- if you
0: ever want to read a four-page version. <laughs> Uh, I got one for you.
1: I think this is a, a pretty, a pretty uh, poignant movie for the time, and I got enough laughs out of it to justify watching it. And um, there's a lot of really great performances in here. Mark Rylance uh, kind of steals the whole show for me as a sort of um, Bezos slash uh, Bill Gates, uh, Elon Musk, tech billionaire turned pseudo philanthropist who decides he's going to try and find uh A way to save the comet to uh mine for minerals, so yeah uh, just just watch the movie it, it you know make up your own mind i I happen to think that it's uh pretty pretty good
0: cool uh all right
1: so what what is your number nine?
0: uh my number nine i uh, I actually just watched this week and it is barely squeaking in here um, but my number nine is pig. Starring okay. Nicolas Cage. I thought it was just really interesting. It, it's done. Have you seen it? Um, it may or may not come up later. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I just thought it was a beautiful, it's a beautifully shot movie. It's a beautiful story. It has kind of the beats of a revenge story, mm-hmm. uh, but without the revenge, without without the the things that can make those type of stories so uh for lack of a better word toxic it's about this the uh, nicolas cage is in this uh living out in the woods uh he is you know uh he gathers truffles and presumably other resources for restaurants and he has a prized truffle pig uh one one night late at night he gets uh, attacked. Some people break into his cabin and they kidnap his pig. Um, so the rest of the movie is him trying to get his pig back. Yeah, it's just beautifully done, kind of quieter character piece. It is an incredible performance by Nicolas Cage. Um, it's nice to know he can still turn in, you know, something with nuance and mm-hmm. subtlety. Um, I mean, I think he's a fantastic actor, but it's it's nice to know that he still knows that and that, you know, not everything has to be Nick Cage, the Andy Samberg impression of Nick Cage. Right. Yeah, and it's just a, I don't know, a quiet, beautiful movie about grief and uh, just really interesting setting within kind of this, like, seedy aspect of the uh, restaurant restaurateur world. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just thought it was really intriguing and beautifully done.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, we might talk about that a little bit later. (laughs) Um, uh, Moving on to number eight is another one I saw sort of recently. Um, This is Tick, Tick, Boom. Okay. um, Which is one of several musicals that came out this year. Uh, Musicals had a big-ass year in 2021.
0: But yeah, that's see, there was In the Heights, there was West Side Story. There was, I didn't know this was a musical. I knew Lin-Manuel Miranda directed it. Um, yes.
1: Yes, this is uh, based on the uh, play uh, written by Jonathan Larson, who was also the same playwright, who wrote Rent. This was kind of his, like, Rent before Rent, that was okay. more specifically about his life and him, trying to break into the world of off Broadway or Broadway or theater um, kind of living that bohemian lifestyle. Uh, There's a lot of themes that are very similar to rent. um, But uh, rather than just having an analog character like rent has, it's, it's just him. Um, He performed it. I think uh, once or twice as a one man show, but this movie sort of like uh, opens up that whole world and shows Uh, Jonathan Larson, played here by Andrew Garfield in New York in the late 80s or late 90s. And um, yeah, I I thought I really liked the music in the movie. Really, what sells it for me more than anything else is Andrew Garfield's performance. Um, That's the standout here. Yeah, he's,
0: he's also having a good year.
1: He is, and he's been working a lot lately, but I, I I thought, you know, he went into this not a professionally trained singer, um, and uh, I think he came out, you wouldn't know that having just watched the movie. All right. Um, he does a, a very good job uh, with the songs, with the performances, with the dance choreography and that kind of stuff, but it also has kind of a realism to it, a sort of grit to it that not even Rent always has. And I think that, that one less step removed that rent does have, whereas, you know, rent is kind of more of a, uh, a larger ensemble piece. This is more just about him and his life and sort of everything from his perspective, I think sort of personalizes the story a little bit more and makes it a bit more specific. And of course gives Andrew Garfield a lot more to, to do with the role. Um, And yeah, I really, I I enjoyed a lot of it. I'm not always the biggest Lin-Manuel Miranda guy, but. Like
0: someone who hasn't seen Hamilton.
1: But I think, you know, him just behind the director's wheel, uh, dealing with other people's material. I I like this quite a bit. So far, it's my, my favorite thing I've seen his name on.
0: He is also having a very big year Uh, in the Heights was this year Mm -hmm. and he did the music for Encanto, which just Mm -hmm. came came out recently. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be all right. Yes. So my number eight uh, was Last Night in Soho, uh, directed by Edgar Wright. I kind of went back and forth on this one um, as to whether or not it would make it into my top 10 or be an honorable mention. Mm hmm. I think, I think it's kind of, again kind of muddled its way in on style points. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we were, you know, both a little cool on the ending for this movie, um, yeah. but again, it just it felt like a movie movie to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I love all the big superhero franchise stuff. Some of those may or may not pop up later on my list. I don't know. It's it's refreshing to like go to a movie that's just a movie for movie's sake. And for the most part that is kind of what dominated my list this year. And this was no exception. I I think the the story's interesting. I I like the, you know, the love letter to giallo movies. I thought the performances of the the two the two leads were great. Uh and I just thought it was a it was again another fun movie to see in a theater. Yeah, I th- I think I am maybe a little biased towards what I saw in theater versus streaming because that I don't know I think tends to leave a better impression. Sure. But it was again it was nice to go out and and see this in theater and it's, you know, it's an Edgar Wright flick. It's oozing with style and yeah, I enjoyed it.
1: It didn't make my top 10. Not even sure if it did make honorable mentions. I I like a lot about it, but I I, I couldn't overlook some of the glaring narrative well, issues. Well, that's fine. It's them.
0: not on your list. It's on my list. I enjoyed it. Just saying. Um, yeah, if, if if people want your opinion on it, they could go back and listen to the episode. <laughs> it's my number eight. Honestly, I might have put Pig... In its place, it's just I just watched Pig, so I felt weird even including it on the list.
1: Right. Um, yeah.
0: But anyway. Okay. Uh, what is your number seven?
1: My number seven is one that we've re- reviewed fairly recently. on um, as King Richard, the uh, Venus and Serena Williams uh, biopic, or Richard Williams, rather, uh, their father. Yeah, I, I just I just thought this movie – ticked all the boxes it just did it right it did the sports biopic it did the the uh coming of age story it did the um you know aspirational uh human achievement story all of that stuff it works on all of those levels and i think there is a story in there about class and about race that is definitely part of the story but isn't overwhelming it with themes r- driving the narrative um, you're still invested in it in, in a genre way as well. Yeah. I mean, of all of, of, of these types of movies, you know, I'm not like the guy who like, who has seen Rudy a hundred times, you know, I don't necessarily care about any given Sunday, you know, you know what I mean? Sure, like, yeah, yeah. I, those, those kind of movies are fine. I usually enjoy them while I'm watching them, but well, they very so- rarely stick with me. Also, but this one kind of did
0: sports biopics. Um, in general, I think you know they run the risk of going too saccharine. Um,
1: yeah, or, or they just have familiar beats, or the, yeah. and, and this movie has familiar beats as well, but I think they're played slightly differently. Um, I like the, I think the, the kind of, um, you know, we talked about it in our review, the sort of focusing in on that, that time period before they're they're famous and sort of ending before you get to their biggest yeah. matches or whatever. Um, it was a, it was an interesting choice and a good one for this movie. It's also nice to see Will Smith in a movie. That's as good as, as we know he can be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of the same thing with the uh, Nicholas Cage and pig, right? It's like, right. It's, it's refreshing to see these people that, these actors that we know are good that we grew up with actually like getting material that is kind of deserving of them.
1: Yeah. Sure. So that is my number seven.
0: Cool. My number seven is uh, Shang Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Ooh. Um, for, for all the reasons you said, I think, yeah, this was, yeah, it's just a really fun superhero movie. Uh, but it it does step out from the Marvel mold a little bit. Um, it just has a freshness to it that some of the other stuff from Marvel didn't have. Like, you know, I liked black widow a lot, but it, it, you know, it's not gonna, it didn't crack into my top 10 kind of thing, you know, but this managed to, cause it just, I, it, it feels like the future of the MCU and mm-hmm. um and in a really strong, positive way, yeah. And and it was kind of the first MCU movie post Endgame to get me excited uh, to to just of its own merit, right? Oh. Um, you know, because we had this huge build up to Avengers Endgame, and then it felt like everything the the Spider Man Euro trip came out, and but you you get what I'm saying, like it it, it felt like. Everything is so far from Marvel has been kind of this rebuilding period, Mm -hmm. Um, but they seem focused on kind of like the what's next of it. Whereas Shang-Chi was like, it just gave me the goods. It gave me the, the thing I want, which is a fun superhero adventure story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Moving on. So that was your number seven. Yes. Okay. Moving on to number six. I have pig oh okay yeah i was really surprised by this movie i kind of heard that this is like i mean i think the way it was pitched to me by somebody was like uh nicholas cage's john wick except for it's a pig instead of a dog
0: no so
1: i was expecting more of him to go manic and wild at some point and you know like like we see towards the end of mandy or something yeah yeah total buck wild with a chainsaw armor so i don't know you know like i'm I'm glad
0: it wasn't that
1: yeah i mean i knew that it was kind of an indie film and it was a little bit more low-key um but i didn't know it like it was genre-wise where it was going to be and i think the movie kind of plays with you a little bit in that way Mm -hmm. because it's like you said it sort of sets up to be a revenge film and it sort of um blossoms into something else and I yeah. was really kind of taken by where it went. I also think I really like the the chemistry between Nicolas Cage and Alex Wolf um, who people might remember from the one of the kids in uh, Hereditary.
0: Yeah, um, he was also in the the newer Jumanji movies.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, he's been around for a little while, but I think this is this is a the pairing is really interesting because you know. They're they're very different people. It's kind of a kind of an odd couple situation, but in a way that that works. Mm-hmm. And and again, it sort of sells it as one thing at the beginning of the movie, and it becomes something else by the end of the movie. That relationship, um, and uh, they start to have more parallels than you would imagine. I, yeah, I love the way it's shot. I love the earthy. Uh, tones of the film, the, you know, the color palette. And uh, I really like the, the sort of view of like the rural landscape of, of, of uh, Oregon and, and Portland and kind of seeing like, yeah, the underbelly of Portland um, yeah. or like, I guess in some cases, like the imagined underbelly of Portland, but it's, it's just a really interesting, weird little character piece. And I I was pretty taken with it. I thought it was really good.
0: Yeah, and I, I also I just like the philosophy of the the movie has kind of a nihilist point of view, but in the sense of like if nothing matters, everything matters, right?
1: I guess I find the film to be incredibly humanist.
0: I I don't think that nihilism and humanism are mutually exclusive. I mean, he has multiple. You know, kind of monologues about how uh, everything is, you know, just dying and nothing matters. And, you know what I mean? Um, right. I, th- I
1: think that that's part of the character's arc. I think that he, you know, comes to a different conclusion by the end of the film. I think that there's a a healing process that takes place throughout all of this.
0: Oh yes, absolutely. But um, but I again, I don't I don't think the two uh, perspectives are mutually exclusive. Um,
1: we might disagree on on the themes of the movie, but I actually, but yeah, I, I, I loved it. And I, I, I advise other people to see it as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, my number six was malignant by James Wan, mm. Um, another, uh, giallo esque horror movie getting into my, uh, my top 10 here. And it's just because the, uh, basically it's the last 30 minutes, uh, <laughs> Blew my mind in a way that only movies can do. Yeah, uh, the the first half of this movie, I was not super with it, but by the end, I was like, "Fuck yes!" This movie is bonkers, uh, uh, rock and roll, balls to the wall, crazy. Um, but in, I think, all the fun right ways.
1: All right, yeah, it was it was out
0: there. Yeah, it, it was we've seen some weird movies this year. And this was the only the only one to audibly make me go, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, um it just yeah, it totally caught me off guard. And um I I just think this movie's a blast.
1: Yeah, and I think in the world of everything streaming, everything content, um, it's hard to break through that noise. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're doing a big brassy genre film like this, you might as fucking well.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: You might as well just make, like go for it, make it as weird as possible just to at least get a couple days on social media people talking about it.
0: To, you know, to to do the social media thing, uh, James Wan understood the assignment.
1: Yeah, well, and also he, the movie was very well marketed.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's true. They didn't give away. They they kind of anti-marketed it because they Mm -hmm. they definitely set it up uh, to be something that it it was not.
1: Right. Okay. Um, Number five. We're moving in now to our top fives. This is Steven Soderbergh's No Sudden Move. a Kind of heist noir. uh, Takes place in the 50s uh, in uh, the Detroit... Car industry, um, also a big cast. Uh, John Cheadle taking the lead. I really like this movie. I, I Soderbergh's done a lot of kind of noirish, uh, heisty crime movies in his day, but I think this one is a little darker, a little bit more bruised, a little bit more emotional. Um, and I think that there's there's a there's a mood to this movie mm-hmm. that um, really kind of stuck with me, and I really liked. I really liked a lot of the scene work and a lot of the like acting set pieces that we get here of just, you know, these great actors going toe to toe and just like, you know, totally owning their, uh, their scene.
0: Yeah. It is a, it is an actor's treat, uh, which Steven Soderbergh tends to be. Um, but right. yeah, it is, it is, you're watching them almost spar uh, with their acting ability. It's It's pretty great
1: yeah but i I think it's not just you know it doesn't feel like it's just like a actor showcase either. I feel like there is a story and yes, everyone's and in there, service to it
0: and it is definitely you know it's got the all the genre elements you're gonna want to like it it mm-hmm. is yeah,
1: but also finds an interesting way to sort of flip it on on its head too
0: totally yeah i I think this is a solid movie i I enjoyed it as well. Okay. Uh, what is your number five? My number five uh, was Nobody, the John Wick, Bob Odenkirk vehicle. Um, I really wanted
1: to catch this one, and uh, I didn't get to see it, but go ahead.
0: It. I mean, like the plot is familiar, right? It's this, you know, super badass who's retired uh, and you know, uh, something, an inciting incident happens and he gets called back to his old job of, you know, fucking people up, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, you know, and I love I love that style movie. I love the John Wick movies. Uh, I, I, you know, I think John Wick has kind of revived action in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, you know, the secret sauce of this movie is Bob Odenkirk. He just... He grounds it in this incredibly relatable performance uh, and it's directed really well. Um, There, there's a sensitivity to the movie that this particular genre doesn't always have. Um, You know, the, the ending, it does kind of devolve into a a big old shootout sequence. You're getting what you paid for with it, but uh, all of the buildup to it is, just really well done. Like it, it's, it's. I, I was very aware of what, like the shots the director was giving us early on in the movie to get us into Bob Odenkirk's mindset mm-hmm. uh, of like John Wick, but it's less revenge-y and more midlife crisisy, and it's just uh, again kind of a fresh take <sighs> on a genre that is being well worn at the moment. Yeah, it was directed by Elia Naya Scholar, and it just, the movie has a really good eye. It has a, uh, it just, it sets it up so well that, you know, once we are into the shoot up you actually care what happens, which is all I ask.
1: All right. Yeah, I still want to see this movie, so, you know, when it's available, um, I will be watching it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's. Definitely one of those movies for guys who like movies, but you know, there's, there's some subversion there. Okay.
1: Number four, my number four movie of 2021 is uh, a movie that is kind of had a quiet release on streaming services and has slowly, but surely been picking up more and more awards, buzz and hype as it is, been out there Uh, but this is another movie we reviewed somewhat recently power of the dog uh, by jane campion and you know if you want to get the our full thoughts on this uh, you can go back and listen to the review but i i just i really again kind of like no sudden move and pig to a certain extent it's just this this quietude this interiority Mm. of these of these characters and sort of you know, letting in a, in a classical Western sort of way, sort of letting the landscape inform the mood and the textures of the narrative by in a way that's very contemporary, even though it takes place in uh, the ter- early turn of the century and it's dealing with issues, but again, it doesn't feel like it's an, it's an issue driven movie. It it feels very much, kind of novelistic in a way that we're kind of getting into each of these characters minds and sort of their their inner turmoils and how they take it out on each other and you know getting into the, the you know these ideas of competing masculinities and and class and and ha- how that affects these different subtle hierarchies that are happening in this very small close-knit, dysfunctional family unit in the middle of Kansas.
0: I agree with everything you said. It's a solid movie. Uh, Okay. Uh, What is your number four? My number four, uh, I'm going to be that basic bitch, and I'm going to say my number four is licorice pizza.
1: (sighs) You fucker.
0: (laughs) You haven't seen it yet?
1: No, I can't. I mean, obviously I want to. And I mean to when it when it comes around or when it's um, available on VOD or whatever, I'll be the first to see it. But yeah, I I really really wanted to see this movie.
0: I think it uh, I think it it is deserving of the hype it's getting. It's uh, I think this might be Paul Thomas Anderson's most entertaining movie at least since Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another kind of just vibes movie. Right. Um, you know, and I won't say too much about it because I know you still want to see it, but the you know, the performances of the two leads, uh Cooper Hoffman and Alana Haim, uh it it literally, you know, the movie lives or dies on their chemistry together and it it, it lives, it works, they they work together. Um it's very very good.
1: Yeah. I mean I, I love Paul Thomas Anderson's films. I think he's one of our best working directors right now. Um, I'm always excited for whatever he does. Even if I don't love what he does, I, I uh, can respect it on a, on a filmmaking level. And also, I love him when he's doing stuff in the 70s. I think that is his bread and butter. Yeah, I mean, that, for every reason, I want to see
0: this movie so bad. It kind of feels like Paul Thomas Anderson, um, but like by way of Cameron Crowe, I don't know. It just, it has a breeziness that you don't always get from him Mm -hmm. um, that I, I really appreciated. You know, it's definitely like in conversation with movies, like once upon a time in Hollywood and, and things like that as well. So it, if you, I, yeah, I think you'll really like this movie.
1: All right. Yeah. Well, when I see it all weigh in, I guess. Okay. Moving on to number three, uh, these are the big boys. These yeah. are the guns. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, my top three are sort of interchangeable depending on, you know, what aspects of the movies I'm weighing against each other.
0: Kind of um, But
1: the way it's sort of landing right now, and my number three is Dennis Villeneuve's Dune, part one. Okay. All right. And that is largely why it's three and not higher is because we've only seen half the movie. While I think the movie has a sufficient three-act structure, we do know it, it goes on. There is still, you know, it kind of leaves us wanting more, which is a good thing. I mean, what I like about this movie is just the scale and the ambition and the, the audacity of c- creating a big, serious adult science fiction film on that level. Mm-hmm. That we we just don't see very often, you know. We used to get that a little bit, like back in the seventies and the and the eighties, kind of. Um, although, by the you know, when Spielberg kind of like kidified the genre in a big way, that's when I think. Well, I,
0: I think that's a little condescending. I think he he.
1: I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. I just think there is sci-fi before ET and sci-fi after ET.
0: Sure, but and you I meant- think, even I, it, sci-fi it kinda, he's done after ET is is more adult. Yeah, uh, you know, like uh, Jurassic Park or Minority uh, Report.
1: I mean, yes, I, I Jurassic Park. Sure, it's. I think there's still ele- there's ET elements in that movie, which doesn't make it a bad movie. But what I'm
0: saying it's is It's populist, but that doesn't mean it, it, it. Whatever. We're not talking about Jurassic Park. No, Continue we're talking about Dune. Dune.
1: What I mean is, you know, it's it's dealing with um ideas and it's 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 it has the it has this very strong sense of world building that is uh palpable um it's beautifully shot uh and it it just transported me and sort of challenged me at the same time, which is not something we get in in action cinema very often where uh a filmmaker can do both yeah,
0: and that's fair.
1: and yeah just the the grandiosity and the ambition of it and the operatic nature of it um uh i think is second to none really and we've seen villeneuve sort of working up to this you know he, with with his other sci-fi work but i think he finally nailed it here he kind of reaches his final form
0: here yeah yeah uh what is your number 3 my number three of 2021 is Spider-Man No Way Home.
1: Wow. Okay. This high up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I, I didn't, you know, I tried not to give you any spoilers and I'll still try not to give you any spoilers here. Um, cause I do think, you know, unfortunately I knew most of the big things going into it, but I still liked it that much, even having kind of all the big <sighs> things spoiled for me. Um it was just done really, really well. I kind of couldn't believe they pulled it off. Mm -hmm. Um, This movie is both big and small at the same time um, in a way that only Spider-Man can be, but it was also the cinematic event of the year. It was, again, so good to be back in a theater and and just the excitement and uh, the energy that filled the room was, it's palpable. Um, So yeah, I I still need to see it again um, because there were chunks of the movie I missed because people were screaming so loud, losing their goddamn minds. (laughs) Um, And that just, again, they pulled it off. I couldn't believe they they could do it, but they did. Um, uh, Yeah, definitely the best Spider-Man movie the MCU has done to date.
1: Would you say, I don't I mean, I don't know if this spoils anything on your list, but would you say this is Marvel's best offering of the year?
0: Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. This was my favorite Marvel movie of the year. Um okay. the, yeah, the only two that made my list was this and Shang-Chi. Um, so yeah. Uh it again, it just they pulled it off. I can't believe they did it. It it I mean, it moved me like there were multiple moments where that is also you know, it's big and, and and ambitious but it also packs an emotional punch and it does it in not always the ways you're expecting uh yeah so it it moved me more than most MCU movies do it, it, it just in a way that only spider-man kind of can um i don't know and it just it still brings out the 8 year old boy who's excited for a saturday morning cartoon you know um but this, but this pays tribute to that, but also I think kind of fixed a lot of the problems I have with Spider-Man in the MCU or had so far in just a lot of ways that I was not expecting.
1: All right. Yeah. Still haven't seen it. Um I think I'm the last human on earth who hasn't. I think so. But uh, you know, I will get to it eventually. You're
0: like that episode of the Simpsons when Bart couldn't go to see the Itchy and Scratchy movie. and Like his Homer bans him from seeing it for life. Um, Right. Yeah. And everybody's talking about it at at school. And he like tries to pretend that he knows what they're talking about. And that you know, there's the, 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 uh, nobody who saw the movie would say something like that. (laughs) That's you with Spider-Man. Okay,
1: um, moving on to number two. Uh, I'm going to go with our audience's favorite film of the year um, by consensus.
0: Uh, and that, <laughs> This is hilarious to me. Okay.
1: And that is The Green Knight. Um, I like this movie a whole lot. Uh, I think it's aesthetically gorgeous. Um, I love the mood, the atmosphere of the film. I love kind of the elemental archetypal nature of the of the of its take on fantasy fiction um i i really like the performances from uh, dev patel and others um in the film and uh the production design the the costume the makeup everything about it just felt of a piece um it felt it felt like being like walking through one of the most engrossing and weirdest and eerie, but in a, in a not specifically horror way uh, art installation. Um, Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've seen it twice. I watched it once for the show and then once after around, I don't know, a month or two after that. And it worked for me uh, just as much both times. And I, I, yeah, I just I it's just one of those movies where I just love the world in it so much and I just like being there. Cool.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I I I I won't critique it too much cuz I got mad at you for uh doing that to to last night on Soho when that was in my list. Um I wish I had had that experience with it for whatever reason me and this movie just didn't click, uh but mm-hmm. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. I do think all of that is there. So
1: if you don't mind me asking. Yeah. What device did you watch this
0: movie on? My TV. Okay. This all This right. was a TV. This was a, uh, <laughs> this was to turn off the lights, put all the phones down. Like I really wanted to like this movie.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would say give it another shot. You are more um open to, experiencing things in uh chemically altered ways than I am. So maybe, maybe try it that way. I don't know. <laughs> oh
0: no, no, that would, no, I, I wouldn't have the patience if I was drunk and uh, if I was high, it would freak me the fuck out. Absolutely not. <laughs>
1: That's what um, I'm saying though. Maybe that is, no, you got to open no, 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 the third, no. the, the mind's eye.
0: I, <laughs> kind of I getting high ruined doctor strange for me because that movie freaked me out. so I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think the Green Knight would mix well. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I don't think he's that green Knight. Um, <laughs> oh, that was a dumb joke, but keep it in the edit. What is your number two? This is why it's hilarious to me that that was your number two. My number two is the suicide squad,
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Uh yeah, you, just,
1: you, I mean, I would ask if you did that on purpose. But it's literally impossible.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, I just loved this movie. Um, and I also re I rewatched that this week just to kind of did I really love it or you know was I just kind of high on the experience? But no, it, to me, it still worked. It still held up. I think this movie's uh funny. I think it's it's bold for a superhero movie. It's um I was, uh, when we talked about it, we kind of brought up some of like the more postmodern takes on superheroes and stuff. Like, Ooh. you know, we kind of talked about the boys and um other things. On, on, and yeah. And I don't think this movie is necessarily doing that up on a rewatch. I think, I mean, yes, there's definitely some postmodern elements to it because I feel like these characters are just really well flushed out. Like, I just really liked them. I really liked uh, um, Bloodsport. Um, I, what, like, one of my favorite scenes is where he's, like, in the jail, just, like, yelling fuck you to his daughter because it felt more real to me Ooh. than, like... Will Smith's relationship to his son in the first movie. Like it it felt like, I don't know. There's actual emotional backstory behind some of these characters. Um, I love this, the big violent, insane over the top opening sequence. Um, I don't know. I liked that this movie, I felt like none of the characters except Harley Quinn, obviously um, I felt like none of them were really safe. And uh, when, they turn on each other. It's it's kind of heartbreaking. It, it, I don't know. I there's also like a very fun sequence when they're just hanging out at a bar that I really liked. Like I just, I I don't know. I sometimes feel like James Gunn is making movies just for me. Like it just clicked. It, it, it I really just like the tone of this movie in a way that I haven't most DC movies. It it, it just felt different to me.
1: Yeah, I mean. Uh, the the DC cinematic universe is there's less competition there. Oh yes, for sure. Uh, both in numbers, uh, sheer numbers of films, and in quality. Um,
0: well, in- and I think it also stands out from you know Marvel obviously because it's not afraid to be rated R. It's it's very yeah. violent. It's uh you know lots of swearing, but it it never feels as reverent as something like Deadpool, which I also really like the Deadpool movies for their, for their reverence. But to me, the humor is a different tone. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just, and I really liked, I really liked the core team. Uh, I really, I like as characters, I loved uh, Bloodsport and Peacemaker and their dynamic this movie actually made me give a shit about Rick flag and, and Joel Kinnaman and uh, in ways that I was like, Oh, okay. I actually would, would like to see more from him. Uh, kind of the way, like the first GI Joe movie, I, I hated Channing Tatum. And then later on, I was like, Oh no, that was just a bad movie. Um, I think that's the case with Rick flag. I, I really liked him. Uh, I love uh, Rat Catcher, King Shark, Polka Dot Man, the whole crew. Uh, I love a good misfit story.
1: Maybe I wasn't in like the best mood when I saw it, and like that affected my viewing experience. And I would be willing to watch it again just to see if that was the deal.
0: Um, but really, number two. Number two, yeah. I, this movie stuck with me all year. It beat out Spider-Man. Uh in all of Spider-Man's audacity and epicness and, I mean, I don't know. They're basically interchangeable to me. Um, but I, I think the, the, between the two of them is like ca- kind of the culmination of where we've gotten to with superhero as a genre. Of All the groundwork has been established. Audiences are comfortable enough that we don't need, you know, 20 minutes explaining why a guy's arms pop off. Uh, or why a shark can talk audiences are comfortable with superhero movies to the point where now I feel like we're just getting to the point where they can really play with them and play with these worlds that have been created. And I feel like both the suicide squad and Spider-Man and Shang-Chi, like all of them do that in, in their own way uh, that, you know, we couldn't have had 20 years ago.
1: Okay. Um number one, moving on to number one. Um, my favorite movie of the year with a bullet, I would say, is uh Titan slash Titan Titane Titan. Yeah, this movie is batshit crazy, it is stylish as hell, it is disturbing, it's kind of fucked up, but it's also in a weird way very sentimental mm-hmm. and um very humanistic. And has this kind of allegorical symbolic way of talking about a lot of issues. Again, maybe this is a a theme of my list is, is doing films that are issue oriented, but are not, are not beating you over the head with the issues.
0: They're not uh, uh, that joke from uh, don't be a menace where every time, you know, he looks at the camera and goes
1: Message. Right. Yeah. I mean, this movie On It's Face is a is a body horror film about a a person living a double life and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's that's the that's where the thriller Mm -hmm. elements come from. But underneath that, underneath the surface of that, there's so much uh, going on about, about gender dynamics, about sexuality, about the power dynamics that exist within gender hierarchies. It's almost, in a way, a lot of the similar themes that come up in in uh, Power of the Dog, but just in a very different way. Yeah. Um, and in a very different genre. Uh, but I I love this movie quite a bit, and I was a big fan of Julia DeCarno's, uh preceding feature, Raw, and I think this is uh, an interesting step from that, where you can still see Her sort of narrative obsessions play out um, and you can see a directorial style there by really kind of reaching forward um, and into a more ambitious place. And both movies um, are are quite like nothing else. And yeah, I I just thought from beginning to end, this was a, a shocking and brilliant and unique movie watching experience. So that is, that is why it is my number one. And usually my number one spot, I try and think, you know, what movie from a year really challenges the form, not just was it a cool story I liked or was it characters I liked or da-da-da, you know, the stuff that can occur in any movie. But is, it, is the movie itself challenging the form of cinema in some way? Mm-hmm. And if it does, and also achieves, you know, the bare minimum, then that is likely to end up higher on my list. Even if it's a movie that is not something I'm always going to reach for because it could be too much or too challenging.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a, a great um, sentiment. Um, I, I think, I think in this case, uh, Titan was a little too challenging for me um i again i agree with everything you're saying but it was a little too out there for me um i i don't know you can again go back and listen to our review on that one you can i think audibly hear me struggle with that movie through the entire uh episode uh, ultimately deciding i did like it I, and here's the thing that is definitely the craziest fucking movie i saw this year uh without a fucking doubt. So and there's
1: some competition in that.
0: Yeah, there is. Uh okay, my number one, my number one was Dune. Okay. Uh, I fucking loved this movie. Uh I I, you know, it should not be a surprise that this was my favorite movie of the year when how often do I talk about Lord of the Rings on this podcast? Mm-hmm. And it it's just uh, it's so fucking refreshing to see them give the lord of the rings treatment to another another uh uh, you know high uh genre book Mm -hmm. um and the funny thing is is i say you know give it the lord of the rings treatment and right now there's kind of an arms race to have the next lord of the rings the next uh game of thrones thinking that it's got to be fantasy right you know like uh, Netflix has Witcher, Amazon is doing Wheel of Time, Amazon is also doing another Lord of the Rings. There's there's kind of a weird fantasy series arms race going on right now. Uh HBO's doing another uh, Game of Thrones prequel like but to me I I'm like this is it. This is the next you know, this is the next movie of that in that vein and no lord of the rings and dune are not that similar you know one is high fantasy one is high sci-fi you know there's no elves there's no magic in dune but what i'm talking about is the the prestige treatment of the source material is is we're going to make this movie look as big as possible to make this try to make bring the source material as much to life as we can um you know, in all the time you see adaptations where they, you can see them kind of cutting corners in some areas. You can kind of see the budget in others. You can see the seams a little bit more, but in Dune, you can't, it is, it it, it is, it just flawlessly transports you to the world of Arrakis, uh, in, in a way that I think is really special and that, that we don't get to see a lot in the movies. So, um, yeah, very excited for part 2.
1: Yes, as am I. And so help me god if they drop the ball on part 2, uh, that'll be the upset of the century. Yeah, I I will I will riot in the streets and turn over cop cars and set them on fire <laughs> if if they ruin what they've built so far.
0: I I wish they had kind of done the Uh, Again, the Lord of the Rings thing and filmed, you know, filmed it back back. to back. Um, But
1: I have faith uh, in everybody involved that they can pick up where they left off.
0: Yes, exactly. You know, as long as as the, you know, kind of I don't know, as long as the producing elements don't get scared. um, Right. I think we'll we'll be fine. Uh, But but yes, I agree. I, I think, you know, part two does have a lot to live up to. Uh, I'm prepared for that, but I I just hope they give it the same treatment.
1: Right. Okay. uh, A few honorable mentions. I'm not going to talk a lot about these, um, but I just wanted to mention a couple that didn't make the list that were up until recently on the list. I have the new Taylor Sheridan film, uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Interesting kind of rural noir as he makes a lot of, not my favorite of his, but it's still pretty good. Um, in the Heights was up there considering my, my natural bias against when Manuel Miranda, he has produced a couple of movies this year that I liked. And, uh, I, I mean, I really loved uh, John M Chu's direction in that movie as well. Mm-hmm. It, br- it brought out, um, you know, the, the best aspects of, of what he can do with that sort of material. Um, I have the Sparks brothers documentary, which I thought was really interesting and uh highlighted you know uh musical artists that i was not aware of before um malignant is on my honorable mentions list um alongside the sparks brothers i just caught a net and oh, okay. wanted to like it a little bit more than i did but there there's elements of it that are brilliant there's two or three of my favorite scenes from 2021 that are in that movie but the movie as a whole kind of starts running out of steam towards the last twenty five minutes or so. Yeah, I mean it's 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 again another musical, um, but um, I think it's one of Adam Driver's best performances, and um, beautifully beautifully shot. Uh, it's an in, more interesting than good overall, I think. Um, and as far as that director goes, I I think I prefer Leo's Car uh Holy Motors a little bit more. Um, But, uh, and that is an interesting sort of deconstruction of high art and low art as told through operatic
0: melodrama. Cool. Is is that all your honorable mentions?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, the huge is on there. I mean, I like stuff like Godzilla or whatever, but yeah, I mean, there was, um, (laughs) that's, that's a stuff that at one point or another could have been on my top 10.
0: Sure. Yeah. Uh okay same same for mine um uh, uh you've already touched on most of my honorable mentions so mm-hmm. I won't spend too much time talking about them cuz I basically agreed with you is just for whatever reason they they just didn't maybe stick with me or um I you I think you're my my theme was the movies are back baby mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh, okay, so, yeah, my honorable mentions were The Power of the Dog. Um, again, I think you kind of summed it up, and, and again, you can go uh, re-listen to our episode on on any of these um, for more detailed descriptions. Uh, Black Widow does get an honorable mention. There is a world where it could have been in my top ten had just not every superhero movie ever come out this year. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, I I also think there was something about the timeline of that movie's release and kind of the controversy around it that also didn't, unfortunately, didn't do the movie any favors. Uh, No Sudden Move uh, was definitely one of, I think, my more fun viewing experiences this year. Um, King Richard, uh, for all the reasons he said, uh, The French Dispatch. Um, I we just caught this one and uh, we haven't talked to each other about it, um, right? Yeah, it might be the most Wes Anderson movie to ever exist. <laughs> um, uh, but I I think he kind of challenges himself in a lot of ways here, and I really liked the um, the anthology aspect of the movie um Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I did too.
1: Expecting. I think ultimately that and the net I saw pretty close around the same time. This sort of felt similarly about either. I was just like, I can appreciate what's happening here. It's very technically good, but I'm just not liking it as much as I want to.
0: Uh, I, I think I liked the French Dispatch a little more than I was expecting. I, um, I think I it clicked with me a little bit more than the last couple I've seen from him, which left me feeling a little cold. I feel like, uh, I don't know. I, I really liked the core elements of most of the, um, the different anthology stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Titane did make my honorable mentions list because I can recognize that it is a really well done movie. Um, it just, you know, it wasn't what I'm, it was hard to watch. <laughs> um, It's a strong, Uh, it's
1: a strong dish.
0: Yes. Yeah. But (laughs) it is definitely worth mentioning.
1: All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about our bottom five. Uh, We don't have to go into great detail with these. My, my bad list or whatever is not as big as more middle of the road stuff that I have here. Um, Or even my top 10. So that's a good thing. It's always good when my bad list is shorter, but. I'm going to start here with my fifth worst movie I viewed in 2021, um, which is Zack Snyder's Justice League. uh, The Zack Snyder cut. Yeah. You know, a lot of uh, spectacle and window dressing for just not very much. Ultimately to me, this is like the definition of style over substance. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's four fucking hours long and it's four hours of, Absolutely no self-awareness and absolutely totally self-serious in its presentation. Even more so than the original cut, which was kind of sloppy, but maybe more watchable ultimately. I don't know. can't go either <laughs> yeah. way on that one.
0: Yeah. Uh, my number five... Valley. I, I, I listed my, my lists on letterboxd as the 2021 peaks and the 2021 valleys. Okay. Um, My number 2021 Valley was the eternals. Um,
1: Oh uh, yeah. I didn't see that.
0: Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I just felt kind of, it was very bland. It was kind of boring. Um, It's way too long. It's trying to spin too many plates and Tries to get me to care about these characters that ultimately just feel pretty empty and hollow. It it um it it's I it's, I think the most disappointed I've been in a Marvel movie, uh, in a long time. So you know some of my highest highs were the MCU this year, and this was one of my lowest lows. Um, I mean I get, you know, some people really dig this movie, and that's fine. I'm not particularly interested to see where these characters go. And if I have to start dipping out of the MCU, it's going to be with future Eternals offerings. It just, there's not really any interest there. So they're going to have to do something drastic uh, to get me in the theater for if they, you know, make a part two. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think this is the lowest Marvel's been since like Thor, the dark world. Um, Yeah. It just, And kind of for all the same problems, it's, you know, too long, too self-serious, too just kind of blah.
1: Yeah. Um, My number four uh, worst movie of 2021 is Fear Street
0: 1994. Oh, Um,
1: interesting. Did not bother to see the other two. And I know that there are some people who like it as a trilogy. And maybe if you watch the other two, it makes... 1994 look better. I I don't know. I just thought it was generic and pedestrian, and it felt like an episode of Riverdale with a little bit of extra violence. Yeah, I don't know. There was nothing in it that interested me at all. Um, it's it the aspects of it that that are horror are not scary. Um, the 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 horror setups are not really well paced or well shot. Uh, the acting is kind of blah the and uh, the 1994 setting doesn't inform the story in any kind of interesting way and uh, by the middle of the movie you forget that that's even part of it because the movie doesn't really seem to care about that that much it's just kind of reheated kevin williamson tropes i just overall well i just did not care for this at all it felt like netflix schlock
0: yeah, all right. Uh, I never saw that one. I almost watched the the trilogy, but then didn't. <laughs> uh, my number four is Reminiscence. Mm. Um, the the came out on HBO Max. Um, I don't know if this one was meant for a theatrical release. It probably it, it
1: was. might have been. Yeah,
0: it's, it's hard to say. Um, you know, it it's just a very generic sci fi movie and a very generic noir and it, it, the character i mean the big thing here is just the characters are so boilerplate and so it just feels kind of paint by numbers yeah. um i you know i think q jackman is trying his hardest uh and it it's nothing of the cast's fault um uh, it actually has a great cast it just they kind of just don't have anything real to work with. Uh, the the movie's so kind of obsessed with its own premise that it forgets to connect the premise to any tangible human emotion other than just kind of generic noir stuff. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of pretty boring and uh, un- unremarkable. Yeah,
1: kind of just dour, Like uh, like the filmmakers are not even having fun with it. Yeah, um, and, it, and it, a lot of it just sort of feels like, um, I don't know, like Christopher Nolan five times removed.
0: Yes, exactly. It, it,
1: yeah, it's it's whatever,
0: yeah, just not, uh, not that into it,
1: yeah, just kind of a generic uh catalog title. Um, a movie I had a struggle to get through, and this is another one. This and don't look up is where I feel like I'm being gaslit by film Twitter every day. Um, And (laughs) that is uh, at least for the last month. And that is matrix resurrections. Sorry, not sorry. This movie sucks. I don't think it's good. The more I think about it, the less I like it. Um, The more I read about it uh, from the, the people who swear that this is good or the best one of the four, or that we're just not getting it, or we're all misogynist anti trans people for not liking it uh just makes me like it even less yeah i just i don't uh i don't i don't even buy that Lana Wachowski wanted to make this movie i I feel like basically the argument for the movie being made by the movie is that she made it because they the studio told her they were going to do it without her so instead she kind of did it as a fuck you which i guess that's vaguely interesting in an extra textual sort of way but not in a movie way because it's poorly made uh it throws out most of the interesting world building of this movie universe it doesn't go in any like new directions i mean we literally just reviewed this. So go back yeah, and listen to the full review. I just think it's junky.
0: I I think in the time since we've I, I was kind of middling in my review of it, but I mm. think in the time since we've reviewed it, it's kind of sat poorly and left a you know, a a not good flavor in my mouth. Um mm. and I am definitely more on the side of not liking it now. I still don't know if I hated it quite as much as you, but um, I agree with what you're saying. It's and, and, and I think the biggest sin this movie commits is it just looks bad. You know, for coming from one of, of the Matrix co-creators, one of the most visually referenced movies of the last 20 years, uh, 20, you know, like, it just it bummed me out how not good that movie looked. Uh this that one did make my dishonorable mentions list. So okay.
1: Um, what is your third least favorite movie of the year?
0: My third least favorite movie of the year was The Little Things. Uh, and it is almost entirely hinges on Jared Leto's Razzie level <laughs> bad performance. <laughs> this movie in and of itself is, again, just kind of blah, just kind of whatever. Pretty forgettable. um, Pretty boilerplate. P- uh, you know, just kind of like an extended episode of, of Law and Order you know, set in LA. But uh, the whole thing hinges on us hating Jared Leto's character so much and him being so evil and he thinks he's churning in fucking Hannibal Lecter or what's his name Who's uh, Kevin Spacey from uh, seven. And yes, I know Kevin Spacey's canceled. Huh. Uh, whatever. E- anyway, Jared Leto just sucks in this movie. He's so bad. He's unwatchable for me. It's embarrassing.
1: Mm. Uh, well, that was my number two was the little things is the second least favorite, least favorite movie of the year. Um, for all the reasons you said it's uh it's boring, it's pedestrian, it's, you know, serial killer thriller 101. It's every movie you've ever seen um, since Silence of the Lambs, but just done with as little effort as possible. And as little
0: style and as little anything.
1: Yeah, there's, I, don't, I don't really feel any stakes in it, any emotion in it. Um, I give a, a little bit, um, whatever the movie, the only reason why it doesn't, you know, go any lower um is i give a little bit to denzel washington who's churning in at least a classy performance but it's nothing he's not totally capable of on any given day of the week and there's nothing about his character that's remarkable but you know when he's on screen i'm not
0: mad um, no, not like I am when I see Jared Leto. When I'm mad, yeah. I'm embarrassed. Uh, it's uh, yes.
1: yeah, here he thinks he's doing like subtle character work, and it's just not because he's not really capable of that. But if you see, like if you just want to make a comparison of a good actor toying with the psychology of a character it with in a subtle way, but in a way that completely works. Uh, compare Jared Leto's performance in The Little Things to what John Carroll Lynch does in Zodiac.
0: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, John John Carroll Lynch is an incredible character actor, but yes, yeah. Uh,
1: and John and John Carroll, he's not like you know, he's not affected at all. He's, he doesn't have any weird makeup on. He's not doing he's not, a weird accent. He's just acting.
0: Yeah. Where Jared Leto has this weird fucking limp or like he has this weird walk that Ooh. is like literally character walk 101 like every first acting class you know is all right now walk around the room now now walk <laughs> like someone who's a lion would walk now walk like someone who who carries themselves from their stomach it is literally what you do on the first day of acting class it is yeah. so embarrassing and he's got this weird like padded stomach, fat suit, but like <laughs> hollow, sunken out eyes. It just doesn't work. No, not really. Um. All right. What's your number two? My number two was Zack Snyder's Justice League. Well, uh,
1: I'm, I'm surprised that um, I'm a I'm surprised that that ended up on both of our bottom lists, and B I'm surprised that you marked it lower than I did. Uh, it, I feel like you have a higher tolerance for superhero schlock.
0: Yeah, I do. But I also think that that makes me, I don't know, maybe that makes me a little more critical of it when it's really not good. Or Mm -hmm. Again, I think we've reached kind of the heyday of superhero cinema where you can be playing with the worlds and the characters and stuff and, and this just feels so basic and and it does it in the most long boring way it's four fucking hours yeah uh yeah i just i didn't it didn't work for me and you know maybe maybe there is a part of it is every time any fucking superhero movie anything comes out on twitter uh now the snyder stands are have just become totally insufferable um Maybe that makes me hate it worse. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, But yeah, it's just, it's not good. It's boring. It's, it just sucks. It's not a good yeah. movie. I Damn don't it. think it's Zack Snyder's worst superhero movie, but. No. It's, it's not, it, it, you know, again, I think we've reached some of the highest highs this year. So, uh, so it
1: has less excuses to be as bad as it is.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. the point I'm uh, dancing around, but yeah. Um, All right. I think our I think our number one is a tie. Do you want to it, say it better at the same be? Time?
1: It better be unless you just forgot. But no, no,
0: no. Let's let's do a, a, th- a three, two, one reveal. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Space, Space Jam.
1: Jam: A New Legacy.
0: Holy shit! This yeah. movie fucking sucked. Uh, this would probably be in my bottom of the decade.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one to beat for a while.
0: It it was just completely joyless. Uh, it is unwatchable. There's almost no prose to this movie. There, there's almost no. I, I didn't mean prose like the literary term, but <laughs> I I do mean prose there's the no literary positives. term now. Um, there's no story. There's just it just yeah. sucks.
1: And Yeah, it's it's really bad, and it knows it's bad and tries to get away with being bad through meta. There's a bunch of that that happened this year, but I feel like this movie is a worst example of that and yes. the most explicit example of that. And it, yeah, it. I mean, whatever you want to say about the 1996 film, it's cynical in its own way, but I felt like there's a, at least sort of a, 90s basketball zeitgeist that that movie has that this movie can't really even tap into because it's so distracted by its own nonsense. Yeah. It's it's busy. It's ugly. It's not like visually interesting. It's there's nothing about it that's redeemable. It it, is
0: garbage. It doesn't do basketball well. It doesn't do Looney Tunes well. It doesn't do. Which is its
1: biggest sin. Like if you if yes. you get the cast of the Looney Tunes and you forgot they're in the movie because you want to show that you have all the other Warner Brothers IPs to show off, go fuck yourself forever.
0: Yeah, this movie wanted to be Wreck It Ralph's internet movie, mm-hmm. but not even. But it was. It, yeah, this movie was so, uh, has such a hard on for just having all the WB properties that yes, it is. That is all this movie cares about. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is literally like let it let us shit out uh, the like the worst excuse to try and connect all of this fibrous tissue that just is bad. It's not fun. No, I, again, I feel like LeBron is trying his best, but stick to basketball, buddy. And you're no offense, you're not Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. He was one of the biggest stars on the planet he could get away with not being a, a great actor. Cause he was just Michael Jordan. Right. Uh, LeBron is a fucking phenomenal basketball player, but he's just not the same level of celebrity to, well, well, that, ca- to anchor was, a movie like this on.
1: Right. That's what I was talking about. Like the 1996 film um, was, was definitely cynically tapping into basketball and sports culture in a way uh, to, to sort of rebrand, the Looney Tunes, but I felt like it paid off Looney Tunes, and it also successfully tapped into that sports moment, that big Michael Jordan NBA yeah. moment that was the middle of the of the nineties. This movie, it it doesn't matter that they're playing basketball; it, they could be doing anything.
0: The basketball is barely a part of the movie.
1: No, everything about it is barely a part of the movie because it's there's barely it's a just movie. A, it's just a commercial for, for other Warner, it's just Warner Brothers celebrating
0: itself. In the worst way. It is yeah. masturbatory garbage.
1: Yeah. I mean, the good version of this, if there is a good version, would be something like Animaniacs, where you know they're kind of running from all these different properties that Warner Brothers owned throughout the years but in a way that's like fun and self-referential.
0: Yeah, and you can, you know, write a story around it. That's Mm -hmm. the the thing. There's like no connective tissue for the Looney Tunes, this weird commercial for this app that doesn't exist. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I guess it kind of exists. It's kind of HBO Max. And trying to shoehorn it in with a basketball movie by trying to play off of nostalgia for the first movie. It just... It's just nothing about this movie works.
1: No, it's, it's, it is garbage town. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: my, some
1: of my dishonorable mentions. And like I said, there's not a ton on here. I'm, I had reminiscence was one of mine to me. That movie was just left no impression on me. So it didn't really make me mad enough to hate it. Um, and I could say it's the same for the, some of these here, army of the dead, Which, cool premise, fun, first half an hour or so. And then it just kind of slowly dies a slow death until it ends. Uh, Cruella rubbed me the wrong way. I just didn't care for it. I didn't care for what it was going for. I think conceptually, it just annoyed me. But I, I don't begrudge people who got more out of it than I did. Yeah, I think that's about it. Everything else is just more middle of the road.
0: Uh, yeah, the only one that I officially wrote down was The Matrix Resurrections, um, as my dishonorable mention. But I completely agree with you uh, about all, all the other movies you mentioned.
1: All right. Um, well, that is the episode. That was the year 2021. we will be looking forward going forward. Uh, but if anybody has anything to say about our top tens and bottom fives, if you have Uh, strong agreements or disagreements you can send in your responses to our email at mcguffinpod at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter and instagram at mcguffinpod that is where we post a lot of these questions to our listeners so if you're not following us already you should be doing that so then that way you can respond to these before we record um and uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash McGuffinpod. You can read my movie reviews that I do for the Idaho State Journal by uh, Googling Idaho State Journal movies or Idaho State Journal arts and entertainment. And that'll take you to the movies page. Um, kind of funny story. I, d- I just wrote my review for Don't Look Up and mm-hmm. I left in some. Spicy adjectives that I meant to change but forgot before I already sent it. So we'll see if they they're still in there when it All gets right. published. Um, okay. Yeah, and uh, if you want to follow me individually on Twitter and Instagram, you can at VC Cassidy. Uh, be sure to leave the podcast a five star uh, rating and a one sentence review at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Uh, Our player.fm, we're on all the things, whichever one you listen to. If there is a rating system, um, utilize it to boost us on the algorithm.
0: Uh, You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Keith Foster Kid. You can also follow my art account on Instagram at Sticky Note Aesthetic.
1: Okay, and that is the end of the episode. Do I normally do a quote for these? I don't know. I forget.
0: Uh, fear is the mind killer. We both liked that one.
1: Bye.